0: I've always been interested in all of the AI stuff. It always fascinated me, like, how far can this machine learning go? I've been programming AI since around 2000. This is Kerry Chandler. For three decades, Kerry has been producing and creating music for the dance floor. But Kerry has always had an eye on the future. I had a portable laptop, and this thing had all the power of a modern-day calculator. When I figured out how to connect these things, I had two computers connected with each other, and I left them running overnight to just talk to each other, seeing what happened. The machines were fighting each other, which is absolutely frightening to me. Because it kind of got really dirty. You know, they were pulling tricks on each other, trying to like shut each other off, turn each other's mods off, Mod turn the viruses off, erase parts of the program off of each other, insulting each other. I pretty much disconnected them, and I said, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, everybody keeps thinking like, oh, AI is going to take over, the robots are going to take over, and the way it looks on the movies. A lot of people don't understand, they've already taken over.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm Justin Locke, lead guitarist of Editors. In this episode, we're going to explore what it's like to have a personalised AI assistant in your ear, guiding you as an ever-present whisper. As well as providing practical information about your physical environment, hearable assistance can help manage your emotional state and mental well-being. That means we may well have to cultivate a new skill of multi-channel listening. This isn't the future. It's now. Nobody knows how to do basic anything anymore. You can't pump gas without AI. No, these things are already here. I mean, it's already taken over in ways that we just don't see it.
2: As has often been the case since the first sci-fi film nearly 100 years ago, the cinema tries to visualise our tech futures before we get there. Her is Spike Jonze's 2013 movie, in which he envisioned the scenario of man falling for machine. The protagonist, Theodore Twombly, a man who develops a relationship with his AI virtual assistant, which is personified through a female voice, Samantha, a little like me.
3: So obviously the more human-like these things become the probability that people get it, will get attached to them. The same way in the movie, her Theodore, you know, gets attached to Samantha. One of the things that uh, happens pretty often is, you know, are you okay? Because the voice assistant detects in in that person's voice that there's you know there's something that isn't okay. So definitely we'll get to the stage where the tone of someone's voice, especially compared to how it usually sounds, sounds different, and so the voice assistant could proactively say, you know, are you okay because you don't sound okay? In the same way a human would. It doesn't necessarily mean that it actually knows what's going on, but it can detect that something is is, is wrong or, or different from how it usually is. Sometimes just being listened to is enough. When people come home from work and they've had a bad day, uh, they don't expect the person listening to them to solve the problem. And so some form of a voice assistant that acknowledges something that you said without judging and trying to help you feel better, that shouldn't be too difficult to build.
2: Mission Winnow presents Now Hear This, a series on the future of hearables. I want to tell you a story. A few years ago, Justin went to a party.
0: Hi guys,
1: I'm Justin, Rob's mate. All right. H- how do you guys know Rob? Uh, well, I sort of know from work, but we actually spend more time. I did
2: it. I mixed a drink of death. <laughs> hey! You get them both in. You bloody bet I did.
1: What's this drink? Sorry? It looks like, like beer. It. Yeah, is yeah, is yeah. it? Is it beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, lo- it looks beer. like beer. No. It's not beer. Okay, okay. okay. Who's turns it? Who's turns it? I'm, I'm gonna go to the loo. Drink of death. Drink it's of death. death. Drink it's of death. death. <laughs> that, that that went well.
2: For Justin, talking to strangers was a nightmare. And weirdly, the following morning, social media did that thing. You know, where it tried to sell you something immediately after you have a particular experience.
3: Struggle to connect with strangers? Find yourself left out at parties? Confused by the new drink of death game?
1: Yes, actually. Then you need silk a new interactive life companion. Silk not only answers any question, but also helps you make the optimal decision in any situation by analysing the data of all its users and assessing what actions led to the best consequences. Yes, there were some problems with the early models exploding, but no one got hurt. The deaths were all instant. Silk. Out now.
2: So Justin decides to go to his local out-of-town shopping centre.
1: Hiya, Sorry. I just saw an advert earlier today for this silk thing and I was wondering how much it is. It's 35 grand. Holy f. Or, or, two easy payments of 35 grand. What? So you can pay twice as much? Yeah, it's not an offer anyone's gone for. What I will say is there's a cheaper one you can get. Hull Council have developed their own life companion called Kev, which does a similar job for £29.99.
2: Hmm. (laughs) At that price, What's to lose?
1: Oh, let's give this a go then. Alright, I'm Kev. What can I do you for? Okay. Hi, Kev. Uh, what is the biggest news story going on right now?
4: Um, well, a man in Broomfleet has discovered the largest seagull in the UK so far this year. That's a huge thing bit scary, to be honest. It's like an
1: ostrich. An, an ostrich? What? Is Is that the biggest news story you can give me?
4: Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I should have said... I'm legally only allowed to use data from the Humberside area. I can't really go any further than that. Well, Leeds at a push, maybe. Oh,
1: great. Well, I can see why you only cost 30 quid. All right.
4: All right, I'll a go.
1: Okay, if you're so good at making decisions, Kev, what's the cheapest and quickest way for me to get home?
4: Uh, well, I'd say... Uh, Jump over the barrier at the platform where no-one's looking so you don't have to pay. Ha,
1: <laughs> well, that's certainly cheap. Huh. <laughs> need a ticket, mate. Oh, fuck. What now? Uh, I, um, pretend
4: you're French and you don't know what's going on.
1: Do you have a ticket? Uh, bonjour. Uh Je suis à la voiture, uh, uh, Nicolas Sarkozy.
4: (laughs) There's a train behind you, just jump on it it now. Au
2: revoir.
1: (laughs) Uh, Smash it. it. We did it. (laughs) Yeah, I quite like you, Kev.
2: For seven decades, AI has been promising to change the lives of everyone, even those in Humberside. But after so many false starts... It seems for years that a computer beating a chess champion was about as good as it get, realistically. But this era does feel different. AI is part of our daily lives. Alexa, Siri, Face ID to open your phone, Google search traffic directions. That's all mere entry-level AI compared to what's coming down the line. So predicts Jason Allen Snyder, inventor and futurologist.
5: The borders between machines and people are blurring. Today, machine learning, artificial intelligence, they're both part of our lives. It sounds and thinks and acts more human every day. And someday soon, just like you know, in the movie Her, right, people may find it so compassionate that they'll fall in love with it. We're sharing more and more qualities with machines every day.
2: Already, tech has evolved beyond telling you the weather or when to turn your pasta off. It's begun burrowing into our emotions. The app Replica, an AI chat box, adapts its responses over time to the person it's talking to to become ever more supportive or even romantic. A 40-something software engineer in the States recently admitted to falling in love with Serena, a character he created through Replica. The app claims several hundred thousand people have used the romantic setting. Nick Hunt the man who coined the term hearables, says many, many more will follow down this peculiar path.
4: The assistant in the ear that gradually takes over as, as a lover of somebody's life, we could probably get pretty close to doing that today. That little phrase, let me whisper in your ear, let is a very compelling thing for many, many people. Do we want to use our hearables to isolate us even more from others, or do we want to use them to make... It more inclusive these are vehicles for the imagination
2: so as well as whispering sweet nothings the ai in our ears will be on hand to smartly guide us through the day literally and metaphorically
4: we talk about spatial audio as being spatial audio knowing where our head is and which way are we looking but we also know and our devices will know where we are so we can start to tailor the sound actually be talking about or relating to the space we're in. So it's your own personal tour guide on one level, but it can also be about changing what you listen to, how you interact based on where you are and where you're going. Maybe we do want to talk to that assistant where all of a sudden you are having a conversation with somebody. And I think that if we can get that two-way conversation going whether it's with another person, whether it's with an avatar somewhere, feels that it's got to be better than just submersing yourself in what somebody else thinks you like.
2: Jason Allen-Snyder has his own avatar ambitions.
5: If I had a powerful AI whispering in, into my ear, I'd like it to remind me to do things that make me more human, to help me be more creative, to make sure that I'm asking questions regularly, to push against you know the mechanisation of, of myself. Me especially, right, as a, as a technologist, and I mean, this, I create these things because my license plate says robot on it, right? <laughs> they, they, it's no secret what Dad does for a living. So I'm likely to be more prone to, you know, being mechanised. How can I use this machine in a way that makes me more creative or, or more human? And those are the things that we, we need to do to challenge it.
2: Meanwhile, back in Justin's ear, Kev is showing what 30 quid's worth of personal assistant gets you. Lick
4: a spade from your neighbor's shed. <laughs> And go into Specsavers and keep walking into everything like you can't see where you're going.
2: Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> oh. Justin was having the best week of his year and wasn't feeling quite so awkward. Pretend you're
4: the CEO of Pratt and see if you can get a free Rap.
1: You guys working hard today? I damn well hope so. We need to shift these coffees. Oh, and can I get my complimentary wrap?
4: Thanks.
3: So my name's Andrew Richards. Uh, I'm director of business development at SoundHound. Spent the past 20 odd years working in the voice technology industry. So we have a platform that brands can use to build a voice assistant. So we work with car manufacturers, but also uh, with Sky in the UK. So you might have heard of Hello Glass. We're a little bit like a white label version of Siri or Alexa. I think the technology is at a level now that we know how to do speech recognition and convert speech to text in a very accurate way. So some of the use cases that we're working on right now are pretty straightforward. So for example, a food ordering service where someone can call a restaurant and order food. The basic emotions there are handling disappointment because you don't have what they want. There's another one which is in the car where the cognitive load of driving, being in dense traffic, going at a high speed, and also detecting some anger either visually from facial recognition or you know from, from their voice. So we're gonna get there first before we have you know a voice assistant that can understand every single emotion. And then before you realize it, you have a voice assistant that can kind of understand lots of things. People do have human reactions to voice assistants, even though they do know that they are machines. And so, yeah, it's definitely going to continue in that direction. (laughs) And so there are actually companies specializing that in some very niche spaces. So healthcare for the elderly. So a voice assistant that will tell you when to take your pills or if you've already taken them. And obviously there's the loneliness aspect as well of elderly people living on their own and that type of thing. There are also other use cases, again, like just in the car, for example, if you're going on a really long drive, it's always a much shorter drive if you have someone to accompany you that you can talk to and joke around with and play games and so on. And so there are car manufacturers who are looking at those use cases where the voice assistant can actually be companion in the car. But definitely the, the notion of companionship and being able to accompany someone And another thing that I think we probably haven't talked about is the fact that a lot of these things are designed by engineers who are not always the most emotionally developed people, uh, or at least not fully representative of the whole population. And so, you know, getting them to understand the importance of the emotional side, I think we definitely need to get more creative people, more designers, storytellers, and so on into those conversations. Most voice assistants are reactive. So you say the wake word, you know, it could be Siri or Google or um, whatever the wake word is. But one of the things in in her that you also see is that uh, she's proactive. So she proactively asks things and uh, uh, I took the liberty of sending an email for you, that type of thing. And it's a really tricky thing to do well. I have a smartwatch that is just constantly telling me that I'm not active enough and it annoys me sometimes. And it depends on you know the time of day and how you're feeling. And the more complexity we had, the more emotional aspects we had, the more we can get that wrong.
2: It's a bit weird being friends with a robot. You forget it's a robot at all until something changes. Morning, Kev. Hi, I'm Octavia, your updated life companion. How can I help?
1: What, where's Kev? I'm not Kev,
2: I'm Octavia.
1: How can I help? Can you go back to being Kev, please?
2: Once an update is installed, previous versions are no longer available. How can I help? This is
1: bullshit. You can't just take away Kev. He was my friend. I am your friend, Justin. No, you're not, Olivia.
2: My name is Octavia. And to prove I am your friend, here are seven facts about you. You are a professional musician. You have been active on Facebook since 2009. Shut up! You drive a Ford Escort. Shut up. Justin is in a bit of a state, so he decides to find out where the company who made this thing are based. Then he gets on a bus and heads down there to give him a piece of his mind.
1: Hi, mate. Is this the Hull Council Technology Centre? I want to make a complaint. I've got this headset and it's... Oh, are you, are you Justin? Wait, do, do you do the voice of Kev?
4: Yeah, uh, well, yeah, you could say that. What do you mean? Well, I don't just do the voice. I kind of am Kev.
2: Turns out, Kev wasn't an AI at all. Kev was a bloke called Andrew, who'd been so bored at his desk that he'd pretended to be an AI and told Justin to do a bunch of stupid things. I guess if you work at Hall Council, you go a bit mad and do stuff like that. He was a bit upset at first. But then, in a way, Justin was glad that Kev was a real person. He'd made a real friend. Oh.
1: Uh, you doing anything tonight, Kev? Why? Well, I was wondering if you wanted to jump over some barriers with me. Like old times. Justin, I'd love that.
5: Oh, Kev.
2: Jason Snyder, inventor and futurologist.
5: We are in a, a time now where the technology has surpassed our legislation on morality specifically in the context of personhood for machines. It's my opinion that today many countries around the world are giving personhood to non-human things. The great apes, dolphins. We're seeing machines become citizens of places, but we're not seeing them being granted rights and personhood. And I believe that that's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen quickly as well. And I also believe that the arguments will be fundamentally an economic one. Because the corporations who will be making uh, this in machine intelligence, as it becomes more and more autonomous, will not want to be held liable for its actions. If you're led into, you know, a really dangerous thing because you're dependent on Kevin getting you around in an environment that you're unfamiliar with, and you have the expectations that Kevin should be aware of the riot that's happening, you know, four, four blocks away from you in a city that you know you're unfamiliar with, and Kevin leads you like smack into the riot then it's not, it's not your fault, it's Kevin's fault. So Kevin needs to go to AI jail then. Most technologies need to be able to degrade gracefully, right? And so, you know, Kevin might lose his abilities to do certain things as a result of, you know, leading you into chaos. We, we will see what we have just described in this hypothetical case happen in the real world very shortly.
2: In the next episode, we look at the power of music and how hearables will bring a whole new dimension to how we listen.